You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? We are back here for another edition of Locked On Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, November 10th, 2000. And 21. Thank you guys for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. All right, we have another player breakdown for you. As news within the free agency front is still pretty, uh, pretty, pretty cold, pretty, pretty quiet uh, early in free agency, or especially with the CBA looming. No one really knows what to expect, but uh, not going to see too many deals done right at the beginning of the offseason, CBA looming or not. So uh, still a pretty quiet day in that front. Really no new news, uh, even league-wide at all. I mean, we already talked about Conforto declining his qualifying offer yesterday and Heaney signing with the uh, with the Dodgers. That That's still pretty much it after another 24 hours since yesterday's recording. So at the time of this, no, uh, still no news for really a, across the league. The only other thing, even of remote attention to uh, us as a fan base, is that Justin Verlander had a tryout. He was hitting uh, consistently in the mid-90s, and the Yankees and Tigers uh, were both in attendance. There were some other teams in attendance, too. I think the Rangers, maybe? I don't know. I can't imagine he, he would go to a non-contending team uh, this, you know, at 40, but, um, the, the Yankees and Tigers, both very much in attendance and the Yankees are, are already talking to his people. So that, that's about all we know. And I'm not, that's not, you know, don't be scared of that or anything. That's whatever. Everybody's going to do their due diligence. He's, he's a first ballot hall of famer. It's, it's going to happen, especially when you're the Yankees and you have a Yankees budget. It's, it's, it's inevitably going to happen so uh so so sit tight don't look too much into it everybody's gonna gonna check in on them um and uh and whether whether you want them back or not just just let the offseason play out baby no, no no big deal no stress no stress yet uh there will be uh, inevitably at some point but uh but 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 no stress yet okay let's get into our next player breakdown this one is going to be Young starting pitcher and former top prospect, top 100 prospect, Tarek Skubal. Tarek Skubal had a very interesting year for the Detroit. Interesting, man. What a stupid word. Stop saying it. What are you doing, Bentley? Shut up, man. Stop saying interesting. Uh, a, a really, a really intriguing year. Um, what made his year so so fascinating is he really became like the Adam Dunn of pitchers, where everything was pretty much a, a strikeout or a home run. I, I guess Sands the walk. Adam Dunn was a walk machine, um, truly ahead of his time, by the way. Uh, and, and Tarek Skubal not not a, not not walking too many people. Some pretty pretty decent, some pretty all right walk numbers, but. But my goodness, uh, a lot of hard hit balls, a lot of home runs, 
and uh, but but also quite a few strikeouts. So we will get into all of Tarek Skubal's numbers. Let's start with just like the baseline season he had. So at, at 24 years old, he had he went eight and 12 in 29 games started, 149 and a third innings. A K per nine of 988, just under that 10 K per nine threshold there. He would end the season with 164 strikeouts in his uh, in his first full major league real season, for lack of a better term. Uh, the ERA would be a 434, which is... Not not horrible by any stretch, but but uh, definitely some room for improvement there. And the FIP would be 5.08, a pretty high FIP. He, his WAR this year, for those who uh, for those who are interested in pitching WAR, was 0.7. The 5.08 FIP on only a 4.34 ERA comes from him giving up a boatload. Of hard contact, dog. A, 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 just a ton of, of hard contact. I, I mean, truly, like, like, and compared to all of baseball, gave up some of the most hard contact in, in the entire sport. He, he, but he did get a lot of strikeouts too, you know? Like, I, I mean, over, well over a strikeout an inning. Like I said, just under that 10K per nine. Uh, he, he, was, he, he has the ability to make people miss. He has the ability to strike people out. But, but, but my goodness, does he, he, he gave up quite a lot of hard contact this year. Uh, 2.11 home run per nine. That is bad. That's just, there's no other way to put it. That is just bad. Over two home runs per nine innings is not good. Uh, like I said, no, no other way to really avoid that. So what do we know about Scooble? We, we know that he has the strikeout stuff. That, that was his big, what he hung his hat on coming through the minors in, uh, in, in double A in 2019, his last minor league season. He put together truly one of the most unbelievable strikeout seasons that I have ever laid my eyes on. Uh, at, at, at any professional level. Um, and in AA in 2019, he had a 17.43K per nine. That is uh, ridiculous. There, there's no adjective I can use to describe that. Now, that was in 42 innings. He, he pitched 150 this year. And that, that 17K per nine came in 42 innings. Uh, and then in 2019, before getting called up to double a, he had an 80 innings pitch, which was 15 starts. Uh, he had just under an 11 K per nine. So the, the strikeout numbers have always been there. Um, in 2018, moving through rookie league, low a high normal single a, uh, whatever his K per nine was at at the lowest twelve point seven five. Again, not very small sample sizes in there, but but you get the point. He's always been able to strike people out. He's always been able to to make people swing and miss. 
The problem at the major league level has been just, again, just giving up a ton of hard contact. So that is why the FIP is at 5.08. Because that is, his ERA is is at 4.3, which isn't even that fantastic. Again, it's not horrid, but it's not it's not amazing either. Um and and I they're just trying to show you <laughs> there that um, the, the the hard contact is is probably could have done and should have done even more ja- damage than it already did. Gave up over thirty home runs this year. Over thirty home runs this year in one hundred and forty nine innings. Gave up over thirty home runs. Only started twenty nine games. Gave up only 30 homers. So there's some stuff to break down here. And I really do like Scoobin. I think he has potential to be a, a top of the rotation arm. We're just talking about what he did in 2021 and breaking down kind of the season he had and, and what it could mean for him going forward. So the biggest thing in his development is going to have to be figuring out how to keep the strikeout numbers high while also having the ability to when when he doesn't strike somebody out, not give up absolute nukes. Whether they're line drives, ground balls, home runs, it doesn't matter. He's giving up a ton of hard content. We'll get into the uh, mo- mo- more of a breakdown of, of the numbers and, and take a closer look here after the break. But first, got to talk to you guys about Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving. All the good foods, treats, plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and with plenty of protein. So replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar. Or go for the Raspberry Built Bar instead of the Raspberry Pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie this Thanksgiving. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar. A, that's ridiculous. Get Aunt Betty on the wave. B, bring Built Bar to your Thanksgiving, man. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. There's also nothing like Built Bar Black Friday. So mark your calendars. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, everybody, we are back here for segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thanks for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. All right, let's get back into Scooby, Tarek Scooble, former top 100 prospect, former top 30 prospect in all of baseball. Strikeout stuff is there. Let's see what makes Tarek Scooble, Tarek Scooble, and, and what his, the season he had and uh, the seasons he could have going forward. So let's take a look at some of his percentile rankings. Those are always fascinating to me because it compares him with all the other starting pitchers in baseball. Gives you a good gauge of what kind of pitcher he is compared to the rest of the league. We'll start with getting the the hard contact stuff out of the way again because I've already talked so much about it and we're only a segment into the show. 
He was in the first percentile in barrel percentage. First. That is as low as you can go, for for those who are not aware. That means 99% of all pitchers in baseball were better at him than at, at, at missing barrels. He gave up more barrels than than anyone. He was in the first, the, the top 1% of giving up barrels. Which, according to Baseball Savant, is a ball that, that is off the bat at 95 or more miles an hour. Not great. Expected slugging percentage. Fourth percentile. Comes with the same territory. Give up a ton of hard contact. Expected ERA, 10th percentile. We talked about his actual ERA. Again, the expected ERA based on how much hard contact he gave up, right, is going to be pretty low. Expected batting average, 17th percentile. Not great. Average exit velocity, 13th percentile. Hard hit percentage, 8th percentile. Uh, Expected weighted on base percentage, 10th percentile. You, You get the point. Lots of hard contact given up. Now, the strikeout percentage, the K percentage, was in the 65th percentile. That's pretty darn good. It's not elite by any stretch, but for a 24-year-old in his first full season, pretty darn respectable to be striking out people at that rate already. Then you take a look at his walk percentage. 63rd percentile in walk percentage. Again, not bad. Not bad at all. Upper half of the league in allowing drawn walks. Not bad. His whiff percentage, just his ability to get a swing and a miss at any point, 54th percentile. Okay? Not bad. Upper half of the league. Fastball Fastball velocity, 69th percentile. That's pretty nice, right? Really respectable. A nice, nice number. Uh, Again, not bad. Almost, uh, or in, rather, math, the top third of the league in fastball velocity. It's His chase rate, this is where it gets interesting. His chase rate is in the ninth percentile. It's his ability to throw a ball out of the strike zone and have someone swing at it. Ninth percentile. So with his K percentage still being at 65 and, and him not drawing, being in the top half of the league, almost the top third of the league in walk percentage. The ninth percentile makes you think that he has the ability to get you to swing and miss inside the strike zone. He has the ability to pound the strike zone and get you to swing and miss. He's not going to walk too many batters. The thing is, he doesn't have the ability yet to go out of the zone and gain a strike in the count. Still not walking very many people, but everybody's spitting on it. No no one's chasing anything. Ninth percentile in chase rate, which is unreal considering he's almost in the top third of the league in K percentage. Very, very fascinating that you could be that low in one and, and, and still strike people out and still have be in the top half of the league and with percentage on that. All of those put together are, are really, really weird, honestly, to me. And we'll get into some of the specific pitches here as well. Uh, curve spin percentage, 19th percentile. Doesn't throw the curveball a ton anyway, so that's, you know, whatever. 
fastball spin rate 29th percentile which is a good transition to get into the the fastball numbers and kind of the the specific stats against specific pitches okay so the four seam fastball right this past year he gave up 22 homers of his over 30 that he would give up 22 home runs came on the four seam fastball the bat the stats against the the four seam fastball are not great 22 home runs a 291 batting average against his four seam fastball 291 and a 611 slugging percentage against his four seam fastball a 611 slugging percentage that's that's not good. That's all that's high. That's incredibly high. Incredibly incredibly high. I did have 70 strikeouts on it though. Right? So he has the ability to to make this fastball a swing and miss pitch. And he has the ability to make this fastball his a, a strikeout uh, I'm going to I'm going to strike you out pitch. However, it also has the ability to get absolutely put into orbit. His run value for his fastball was 9, which is bad, right? Not good. You want the run value to be low. You want that to be negative in theory. You want to save runs, not give runs. So a 9 run value for his four-seam fastball was by far the most uh, frequent pitch he threw. He threw his four-seam fastball almost 43% of the time. So some of this might have to do with pitch mix as well, maybe lowering the four-seam. People are clearly seeing it damn well, man. Maybe not throwing it quite as much, mixing in a very plus slider and a very plus sinker this past year. The batting average against the slider was 204 with a 327 slugging percentage. Whiff percentage on the slider was 29%. K percentage of 33.3. Third of the strikeouts on the slider. The sinker, not a a swing and miss pitch. The sinker, only a 15% whiff rate, which for a sinker is honestly not bad. But a 216 batting average against. And a 433 slugging, which you would in theory like to be a little lower, but that is a pitch to contact pitch. The run value for the slider and the sinker, negative six for both. He's throwing the slider 22.8% of the time. That's probably a good number. Throwing the sinker 13% of the time. Maybe throw that one a little bit more to the four seam, a little bit less. Keep people on their toes. The changeup had a negative one run value. A 176 batting average against and a 294 slugging percentage against. That is a very, very good pitch. K percentage of 39.6%. A whiff percentage of 50%. This is clearly a very, very good pitch. The numbers are great with the changeup. He only threw 308 of them on the entire season. 12% of his pitches thrown were the changeup. Curveball is the last one we'll cover because the splitter, it's technically a splitter. It's barely even that. And then the cutter, he barely threw at all for either of those two. The curveball, 
375 opponent slugging, and a 250 batting average. 28K percentage, 31 whiff percentage, almost uh, almost at that 33% threshold. He's got swing and miss stuff. He has very good swing and miss stuff. But when your whiff percentage on your four-seam fastball is 24%, and you're throwing it 43% of the time, it might be a pitch mix thing. Let's take some self-reflection. His hard hit percentage on his four-seam fastball was 52.5%. He threw 1,091 four-seam fastballs. Almost double his next most, most thrown pitch, which was the slider. That a, a, a ridiculous amount of four-seams. And the hard hit percentage was 52.5%. Over half of the fastballs he threw were hard hit. He only threw 581 sliders and it was the second most used pitch. Math people out there will now realize that if you cut out all of the non-hard hit fastballs that he threw, you would still have very close to the same amount of four-seam fastballs thrown as sliders. That is how many of his fastballs were hard hit. 302 expected batting average against, 298 batting average against, 291, sorry, batting average against on the four-seam fastball. So maybe it's a pitch mix thing. Maybe it's a location thing. But the scuble inning, as we talked about, is a thing. He'll get in a groove, and then he'll just have a couple of innings of not a groove. There's some work to be done But there's also a lot of raw talent. There's a lot of good pitches in here. There's a lot of of, of ability to to induce a ton of strikeouts. But but maybe, maybe throw the four-seam fastball a little bit less. You heard? Maybe. All right, looking into our third and final segment, taking a look at some more stats and breaking down Tarek Skubal. But first, got to tell you all about BetOnline.ag. We're back in better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile site and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody, we are back here for our third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Let's take a look at some of these splits here. Some situational, how good he Scooble did in certain situations on the mound. We've taken a look at his base stats, we've taken a look at the individual pitches. Now let's take a look at at when he thrived and struggled in specific situations this past season. Okay, first off, righty-lefties immediately jumps off the page at you. Against lefties, lefties had an opponent OPS of 675. That's good. That's good. A, A 264 batting average. You'd like that to be a little lower. 311 OBP and a 364 slugging for a 675 OPS against lefties. You'd like that to be a little bit better. 
But but here's here's the unreal thing about this, right? He faced uh, 120 left-handed batters, 120 plate appearances against lefties. He only had 28 strikeouts against lefties. That's wild. That's wild. That that they weren't hitting very well. They almost had no power to speak of. Only nine extra base hits off lefties. Extra base hits total off lefties the entire season. Few singles, whatever. That that might even go down even more. Singles are weird. Hard to predict. But only one home run given up against lefties. A 364 slugging. He gave up 35 home runs in 2021. Only one was off a left-handed batter. He also only had seven walks against lefties. Faced 120 lefties. Only had seven walks. He also only had 28 strikeouts, which is weird. Against righties, righties had a 240 opponent batting average, a 305 OBP, but a 502 slugging percentage for an 808 OPS against righties. 34 of his 35 homers, 20 of his 28 doubles. 40 of his 47 walks. Now, the 40 of 47 walks, that is is a lot to just do with sample size there. The difference between facing 514 righties versus 120 lefties. Because his on-base percentage is actually lower against righties than it is lefties. Now, the difference between the 240 batting average and the 305 OBP is greater than the difference between the 264 batting average and the 311 OBP against lefties. So he is walking righties at a slightly higher rate, but not anything, uh, not any difference that that's egregious. The biggest thing is the slugging. 34 of his 35 home runs this year given up against righties. And like I said, 20 of 28 doubles. A 502 slugging percentage righties had off him off the year. The the OPS over 800 is not good. Okay, we move to home and road. This is also interesting. On the road, 13 games on the road, 18 games at home. 13 games on the road and 868 opponent OPS. That is bad. A 560 opponent slugging percentage. And at home, he had a 418 opponent slugging percentage for a 423 OPS. 423 OPS isn't even anything that fantastic against him. That that's that's a, a, a decent hitter in 2021. A 723 OPS. That's that's close to a league average hitter. That's not a, even anything uber fantastic, but it's certainly better than a 560 slugging percentage for almost an 870 OPS against on the road. Some of that has to do with Comerica, but. Uh, certainly not all of it. Some of it does, absolutely. But but there's no way you're going to convince me that all that a that a 140 point difference in OPS and a 150 almost point difference in slugging is is all due to just playing in a bigger bigger ballpark. The batting average compared between the two 243 versus 248. The on base percentage 305 versus 309. He just gave up a ton 
of hard contact on the road. And he did at home too, as we talked about earlier. Okay, The ERA between both, at home a 356 ERA, on the road a 555 ERA. First half and second half, pretty similar. Not not too much of a difference here. The ERA in the first half was a 436. The ERA in the second half was a 43. Slight improvement. The biggest thing, by far, is the walk rate between first half and second half. The first half of the season, he walked 38 batters. The second half of the season, he walked nine. Nine. On base percentage for opponents batting against him in the first half was 328. The second half, it was 272. The slugging actually went up in the second half. The batting average was about the same in both. But that walk rate, that 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 those walk numbers plummeted in the second half. Now, in the second half, he did have some limited outings. To, was was a lot more kind of put under the 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 what microscope? Is that what I'm trying to say? Um, and was uh, was was looked at a lot closely. Only went one, th- especially in September, was only going through lineups one time. That definitely has something to do with it. But still, good to see, nonetheless. The only other two I want to point out here. That I find kind of fascinating. One is uh, at bats in which opponents swung at the first pitch versus took the first pitch. So when opponents swung at the first pitch, he had 192 plate appearances, faced 192 batters that swung at the first pitch. 14 homers. It's a way higher home run rate than the 21 home runs against in a 442 plate appearances. Okay, 43 strikeouts, only three walks, and the slash line, 251 batting average, 272 on base percentage, 541 slugging for an 813 OPS. This leads you to believe that a lot of people saw the first pitch and thought this is a fastball in the strike zone and, and did damage with it. 541 slugging percentage. When people swung at the first pitch. Now when they took the first pitch. A 767 OPS. 813 was when they swung at the first pitch. So a 767 OPS. 21 homers. 121 strikeouts. That That's here nor there. That's mostly just sample size. Uh, so the batting average goes down. The on-base percentage goes way up. When they take the first pitch. Which makes sense. That That's going to be fair for everybody. Um, so I, I just thought it was interesting that the slugging percentage was that high when people swung at the first pitch. That, that leads you to believe that they, they saw dead red and saw fastball in the zone and thought they could do something with it. And the last one that I want to bring up is when facing the leadoff hitter, he was horrible. Absolutely horrible against the leadoff hitter. First batter of the game. The first batter of the game, 31 games played, so that's 31 played appearances against. A 310 batting average, a 355 on base percentage, and an unreal Barry Bonds esque 760 slugging percentage for a 1,113 OPS. That's every leadoff hitter. To start off a game against him the entire season, by the way. that There's no situational. There's no only this time. That is all 
31 leadoff hitters that faced him. That that were that were the first batters of the game. An 1,100 OPS against. That is literally Barry Bonds. That's got to change. That 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 has to change. And when leading off an inning, any inning, still a 560 slugging against for an 854 OPS. Now this one's a little more interesting because the batting average is only 234. The OBP is 294. Okay. Those aren't horrible. You, you, you can work with those. There's something to build on with those. The slugging percentage is just 560 is just still so unbelievably high. He gave up three home runs to start off ball games and 12 home runs to lead off innings. So between those two combined, because obviously the first batter of a game is going to lead off the inning, 12. It's a lot. It's a lot of his 35 home runs coming off the leadoff hitter of a game. The reoccurring theme here is he has the ability to get strikeouts. He has the ability to get swing and miss stuff. He has the ability to keep opponent batting averages low. He has the ability to keep opponent on base percentages low. He doesn't walk too many people. Has pretty decent walk numbers. The only thing standing in his way is the opponent's slugging percentage and the opponent's ability to crank the baseball. Now that's a heck of a thing to overcome. I'm not I I think I don't think I sugarcoated much. I, I, I had quite a lot to say in this one. Good and bad. I, I tried to point out all, all, all the good stuff too. I, I don't want this to come off as a slam piece. Like I said, I still think Tarek Skubel has the ability to be a top rotation arm. For a, for a competitive like playoff World Series team. I do. But the glaring issue across any of this, the, the basic stats, the pitch-by-pitch stats, and the situational stats, no matter what stats or what kind of a, a, a stat nerd or lack thereof that you are, everybody can see that the biggest thing that Scuba is going to have to overcome is the ability to, or inability, I should say, to give up hard contact. Because that is by far his biggest hurdle. And that is what we'll be looking for him to improve on going into the 2022 season, as he is definitely going to be part of this rotation, hopefully for years and years to come. Thank you guys for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day. Next episode, again, assuming no free agency news, will be another player breakdown. So make your second listen of the day, MLB Prospects. Jose Ram Lighton is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available on all platforms. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for rocking with me. Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope. And I will catch you all tomorrow. Go Tigers, baby.